Hey guys, welcome to the Welding Business Owners Podcast, where our podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we continue on with episode three with Adam from Maker Table. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him about this. This guy has a ton of insight on starting a business and growing business and general business practices. And I'm telling you, if you don't get anything from this, you're probably not listening. So enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoyed episode three and um, let me know your feedback. Um, the housekeeping stuff, find us on Instagram, Welding Business Owners Podcast. Reach out to us, send me some messages. I appreciate them. And um, yeah, get your uh, your notepad and pencil out and take some notes on this one. Um, so when you first started out, what are what are some of the things that you definitely got wrong? And what would you advise people to watch out for when they first start out? Um, what are some of the traps that you're, you're like, oh man, I should have been better at that. Or I wish I would have gotten, I wish I would have learned this when I first started out. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happens so fast. I don't, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I worked 80 to hundred hours a week for the first three years and seven twelves for the three years before that to save up the money to go. So for about six years, I worked seven days a week. So if there's anything I thought I needed to be doing, I was doing it. And really, I guess taking care of myself physically, like when I stopped ironworking and started going to work for myself, I started sitting down on the computer a lot more and was eating the same way I was eating when I was uh, iron working and started, you know, putting on weight and getting really unhealthy. And I need some kind of like physical release called catharsis for my anxiety. And if I'm not moving, then my brain gets sick. So I started eventually, I don't know, it was like maybe six or, month, or eight months into building my website, sitting down most of the day. And I finally just started running around my neighborhood. You know, I'd get the plasma table running on a sheet and I'd keep the garage door open so I could see. And I did laps, you know, past my house. And every lap I'd go and check if the plasma table was still running, I'd go do another lap. If it was stopped, I'd go restart it and go do another lap. So that's, that's really important is, is take care of yourself physically. And I had young kids that I ignored for the first three years in a lot of ways. Like I was working from the house. So I had a lot of interaction with them. I'd set up the slip and slide and whenever I get them involved, I would. But now that I've slowed down a little bit to like six days a week or even taking some weekends off, I see my relationship with my kids getting a lot stronger and them trusting me more. And that's definitely something I'm glad it didn't go much longer than it did because if I kept up at that pace and that that frenzied level of activity, I could see it really damaging the relationship with my kids and my wife over the time, you know, that, that I was dedicating to the business. So it does, it does take a lot. If, if you have a partner in your life or kids and you're about to start on your own venture, you need to be clear with them that this is a major commitment and you're going to ignore them. You're going to miss stuff. You know, I never missed a birthday or anything major like that, but there was a lot of little things that I just was not involved in. And we had like a baby monitor out in the garage so I could, you know, listen to the kids when the wife went shopping or whatever. 
And there was just like arguments that were going on in the house that I should have like jumped in and like helped discipline the kids. Or there was like, they were making Christmas cookies and I could hear them laughing and listening to music that I should have been involved in. There was, you know, there was good and bad things that I heard and I was just a spectator too. And those are the kind of things that you, you have to miss, I think, to get something started, but don't miss them for too long. As soon as you can get out, uh, get out, you know, and, and you're going to have to make that judgment call. But, you know, those are the two things that weren't really involved in the business per se. It's really just the personal stuff, the sacrifices that you got to watch out and that nobody tells you about. And I did not expect, you know, you see all this like hustle harder culture on Instagram and grind life and all, all this stuff. And, and that's, that's good. And that's what it takes, but they're not talking about their personal relationships that are trash, mm-hmm. you know, their physical uh, body that might be getting trashed. You know, uh, a lot of people, including myself, sometimes, uh, escape through substances, you know, like, uh, when stuff gets really stressful and that's not healthy either. So you got to find ways of, of managing the stress and the time commitment and make sure you're clear with everybody in your life, what it's going to take and what it's all about. You know, I had this overarching story with my family, my kids, like this is for you. This is for us. This is how we live the best life we can for the rest of our lives but it's going to take this, you know, and I did, I did give the three-year timeline to my wife said, Hey, give me three years to go crazy on this. And then I'll slowly start backing out. And it really got to four years. And she was like, Hey, you know, I I kind of saw the writing on the wall and realized that I needed to start stepping back. So last year we usually take a week vacation and instead I took uh, seven weekends. So it's, it's the same loss from work. You know, I basically took seven Saturdays, and those Sundays too. And that ended up being a lot more time with my family than I'd had in, in all the previous years before. So I'm going to do that again this year. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I tell everybody, Mike, when you first start out in business, Saturdays are not an optional thing. Like no. you, like there is no optional. If you, yeah. If your kid's birthday or something like that, but Saturdays are not optional. Now that you like, we've gotten to a point, um, well, not gotten to a point. It's, it's, it's always in flux of, you know, this, this quarter, this season, I'm going to have to work Saturdays or this season I can take two day weekends off. And it's nice because, you know, everybody says that if you're, if you're going tomorrow, your work will find a replacement for you, but your family won't. So I've taken that to heart. Like we have three kids who need me and I see our family dynamic and our whole, the, like the whole family runs better when I am around. And I have to take that in, into consideration a lot. And, you know, in this season, I'm working Saturdays. This is actually the first Saturday I've taken off in a while. And it's the first Saturday I'm going to really take off in a while. So I feel you on that one. Yeah, it definitely comes and goes. I mean, I can't take every weekend off. We're, we're doing six days for the next five, four or five months. So I right definitely now. feel like, and yeah, then, I need to be And then it's going to be the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and I'll, I'll take some weekends in there and sure. I'll, I'll, I'll carve some time out. But, and then there's other times and seasons where you can take off in the middle of the day. I mean, 
don't tell my employees, but every once in a great while, some afternoons, I'm like, hey, I'm going down to Nashville to go do takeoffs. And really, I'm just like hanging out with my wife and my kids. <laughs> you know, my, my, my code for having meetings could mean anything. I could be meeting with my family for lunch. It doesn't matter. I'm still meeting, you know? Yeah. Or sometimes I'm going to a doctor's appointment for myself. You know, yeah. I'm like, Hey, I got a meeting and I got to take care of myself too. You know? Mm -hmm. But if I tell them I'm going to a doctor's appointment, it's like, Oh, what's it for? Why are you going? What is it? Are you going to be back? You know, if it's a meeting, like, okay, see you later. Um, you've got some pretty great recommendations for books. Um, what, uh, what are like th your three top books that you would recommend to somebody who is, well, what are your three top recommend just books in general that you would recommend? Um, oh, this is going to get pretty nerdy here. Cause I, uh, I studied econ in school. I didn't graduate, but I really, I still enjoy it and still study it. And I think there's a lot of great principles and things to learn in Austrian economics. If you're starting a business and trying to figure out pricing and what you offer to the market and how to control supply and demand curves through pricing and manpower and materials and understanding material pricing. I think econ's a really great baseline. So there's this book called Zero Marginal Cost by, uh, I think it's Rifkin. Um, and basically it's about the, what I believe we're in is this uh, post-scarcity economy where we really don't have scarcity, especially in America anymore. Like even people on below the poverty level have a heated home. They have food on the table. They have a cell phone. They have cable TV. They have internet access. You know, a lot, a lot of times they have a vehicle. So like true scarcity is like, you're hungry. You don't have heat in your home. You are lacking major, major things. And I'm not saying that people, you know, below the poverty line have everything, but the level of what we think is poverty in the United States is different. You go to some other countries and travel. And I've been in places where the sewer was a trench dug in front of everybody's house and you have to walk over a wooden plank and walk over everybody's shit and their old food that's running down a trench in the dirt that is poverty like they don't have a front door they have a piece of cloth hung up in a shack that is poverty that's scarcity that's living on you know less than three dollars a day of consumption so we have this economy where now you see these jobs of influencer, you see these like these new things, these new opportunities of podcaster, like this was never even an opportunity. The fact that we can afford the microphone and the internet connection and the headphones and the speakers and the webcam is built into the laptops. We can look at each other in real time while we talk states away. This is incredible level of technology that is affordable for just about anybody. And that is absolutely incredible and is, is starting to reveal new opportunities for people. So I think that's a, a good book to kind of uh, preface that, that whole idea. Then um, there's another one, and it sounds bougie because it's called Bourgeoisie Dignity. And uh, I was reading the startup story of Whole Foods, and he credited this as the most important book that he read. And 
when he was starting his business, because he started out as this really kind of fluffy, crunchy, organic uh, food store that was all about uh, kind of anti-capitalist. And it's a conversion story for capitalism. If you want to if you want to become a hardcore capitalist and really believe in the free market and the power it has for growing the economy and helping the most amount of people in the most efficient way and reducing poverty in the world, this will convince you. Um, basically, this uh, economist, Deidre McCloskey, breaks down all of the arguments against capitalism and just dices them up in an awesome way that really changed my whole perspective and made me a true believer. Cause I like, I kind of, I, you know, I grew up in California. So I have these like really liberal tendencies sometimes where I want to like let people own a part of the company and, you know, manage themselves and be a co-op. And, you know, I have these, like these big ideas, um, but they don't always work out when the rubber meets the road. You know, I really wanted to give away all of my designs uh, for my plasma table in the very beginning. And then I realized how much time and energy it took to create them. And, you know, I had all these big ideas and, and I had a conflict where I was like, I didn't feel okay with becoming this hardcore capitalist. But once I read that book, it kind of resolved a lot of those issues. And it made me realize that I'm helping more people by creating uh, good paying. And in some cases, like high paying jobs, you know, we have some people here that are paid very well. And that's only possible because we have a profit motive. You know, uh, we have in our peak season, like 24 people that work here. And that's 24 lives and potentially families that are impacted by the work that we all do here. And that's a good thing. That's not evil. That's not bad. I'm not uh, out to get anybody. I'm not standing on anybody's head to have this business. It's uh, it can be this kind of virtuous cycle. So that's another really good read. And then I'd say how to win friends and influence people for management. What's something that you have learned that you didn't read in a book that you would, that you could share with somebody that would help them on their journey of running, growing, starting a business. Okay. I'm sure you get a lot of questions where people want your advice and want your help, uh, through Instagram or whatnot, uh, how do I get started? Um, and I, I learned this in the third grade. I had a, a really awesome teacher. He pulled me out of the classroom because we were always at heads. I was the funny kid, the troublemaker. And he pulled me out of the class. And he looked me dead in the eye. And he said, Adam, nobody's going to do it for you. It's up to you to have the life you want to have. Cause I was like, I was totally like a manipulator, especially when I was younger. Like I wanted like to hu like hustle people and like, like Tom Sawyer, you know, where he got other kids to paint the fence for yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever heard and like aspired to be that. And eventually learned that that's like the life of a con man. And that's really not admirable or something <laughs> I want to be in the long run. But that was like the first time somebody put it that cold to me. And it just light bulbs went off. And if you want to hire people that want to help you in your business, you cannot make it about you. You have to make it about them. You have to find out what those people want and make it available to them and put it in front of them and make it achievable. And you have to let them win. It's less and less about 
me. The bigger I get, the more it is about the success of everyone around me that works with me. And I don't say works for me. That's uh, a whole attitude. It's like, I don't have people that work for me. I have people that work with me because we're all going in the same direction. I'm not like the master manipulator pulling and tricking everybody into doing what I want to do. I'm like, what do you want to do? You want to learn to TIG weld aluminum? Let's, let's come down here on the weekend and I'll fire up the machine and give you unlimited material and give you the best TIG welder we have. And I'll pay that person to come down here and teach you how to TIG weld. I'm not going to pay you to come down here and learn, but I will pay that person that's skilled to be here. So that's probably the, the biggest tip I can give to people is it's not, if, it's not about you, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, no one's going to do it for you. People will do it with you. Yeah. I was talking with uh, Bruce from go wild uh, and he, he said, he's got a cup that says uh, nobody cares work harder. Yeah. <laughs> when you first started out, did you have an end goal for your business? Um, and if you did, how has that changed? I didn't have an end goal. I had this big overarching goal. I always wanted to make it into the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing businesses list. Hmm. And in order to do that, you have to be, have at least $2 million in revenue and you have to grow over a three-year period, you know, on average, well over a hundred percent. So um, I definitely, I put that as a goal. And this last year we got on that list and we were in the top 500 fastest growing companies. So that Congrats, was, man, that's awesome. Thank you. That was like definitely a, a big light at the end of the tunnel. And I thought when that happened, I'll have arrived, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be a business that I can just not, not sit back and relax on, but I can start. I've always wanted FU money. You know, I've always wanted like enough money where I can just take the jobs that I want to take and just do the things that I want to do and not have to be financially motivated to take this really hard or crappy or difficult or tricky or risky fab project that I wasn't, you know, that excited about. And the level I'm at now is still not there. Like I still have to take some of the hard, tricky jobs, but I definitely get to be more choosy than I was when I first started out taking literally anything that showed up just so I could turn a buck and, and get some money moving around. So I'm slowly getting there. Um, and now my next goal is, is to get this building and to have real estate instead of renting. Like, I think that's like a big long-term investment for the future. I, I don't have a bunch of money in stocks or any investments. So I'm betting on myself and that's, that's the next big, big push. And then after that, once that building's together and I have unlimited power and enough space, I want to get to 50 employees. Um, really, this is becoming more and more about creating jobs than it is about making metal. And that's where I get the most satisfaction is like, I don't, I don't build the stuff anymore. So I used to have this moment after I built something and installed it where I stood back and was like, yeah, that like, wow, I just changed the world. Like, you know, um, when you build high rises and bridges and stuff, I really used to feel like I was building man-made mountains. You know, there's like, you can move mountains, you can make mountains. We're making, as an iron worker, you're making uh, permanent steel, concrete, stone, 
glass change to the landscape. You're physically changing the landscape for 50, 100, you know, I don't know how long these high rises and bridges are going to stand for, but basically making a mountain. And I had a version of that with everything that I built and installed was like, I made this mountain, I made this metal thing that's going to last longer than I will here. And it's going to be here and someone's going to use and experience it, possibly enjoy it for a long time in this form that I, that I created and got a lot of satisfaction out of that really deeply. And now that I don't make the stuff, I don't have that satisfaction anymore. But what I do have is uh, people that work here, I see them change and become better people and more skilled and more valuable. And, you know, I've had definitely people quit and people I fired. And I like am excited when somebody that I interacted with or coached or provided the situation for them to succeed becomes something more. That is like my new satisfaction is watching these people grow and become the next version of themselves that they weren't before they showed up at maker table. Like, so that's, that's like the next big goal is I want to get to 50 employees and see where we're at and what, what kind of environment we can provide for people at that size. Awesome. Do you, so do you have an end goal? Like when is enough enough? The end goal is to have a business that, you know, provides me a comfortable living that I don't have to work in constantly. Mm -hmm. So I have these two kind of mentors that I look up to back at home. Uh, one guy, he owns a Ford dealership. He owns a whole dealership and he works in the back as a Ford master mechanic. He has a bay in the shop and he has a guy that runs the sales floor, that runs the whole uh, parts department, that runs the maintenance department for him. And he just takes the most interesting vehicles or the, you know, he does a lot of race car racing kind of motors and stuff. So that's, that's what he does. And I respect the hell out of him. And there's another guy that owns a construction company back home and he hired a CEO to manage the business day to day. And now he, you know, he works on the business, but it's like its own rolling thing. He has this whole management set up top to bottom and he doesn't need to be involved and still gets the check. You know, I know he, he works still in it. Like he's not uh, on a boat every day, but he has just way more flexibility. So that's the goal. And in this new shop, my office is actually a garage. Um, Cause where I get the most joy is in R and D like, I like making and designing new products for the website. Really, that's like the most fun for me is figuring out or just like means and methods for the construction, like a really cool way to hide the fasteners on this, uh, these ceiling panels we're doing at a Hilton. Like that is like really fun for me to go out there and bend up the little parts and see how they slide together and how to hide the, the fasteners and, you know, make the little block that locks everything in place that no one's ever going to see. Like that's, that's where I'm like peak Adam. Mm -hmm. So I'm building my office as a place where I can have a welding table, welders, my own tools. Like I have all these tools, but I don't get to use them. And if I take my ratchet set out of the drawer where they go and go and work on my mini bike or something, then, and don't put them away, then I've got clay Monday morning, like Adam, where's the ratchet at, man? You know? So they're like, <laughs> not really my ratchets. Like so I need to get a, my own set of tools that nobody can, can mess with. So that's, that's my next goal is really 
hire somebody to do the, the bidding and estimating. That's kind of the missing piece. I've got somebody for project management, for uh, drawing and drafting, for uh, fabricating, for install, for safety. So that's the last piece I need is like a CEO and someone that can do bidding and estimating. And then I can kind of back away and go back to fun R&D making Adam. Well, thanks for listening to the episode, guys. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot to take away with it. I hope your notepads are full of ideas and things to implement in your business. So check us out for the fourth and final episode in two weeks with Adam from MakerTable. Check him out on Instagram at MakerTable. And if you want to reach out to us, we're at Welding Business Owners Podcast. I personally read and respond to all those emails and DMs and everything like that. So reach out, tell us how we're doing. Tell us what you want to hear, uh, random questions about you and your business. Um, I answer all of them and I'm happy to. So until next time, guys. Yeah.